0: What is going on everybody? The podcast, that's the show's name. I'm Pete Forsey. I'm the host and thanks so much for choosing us. Quickly, go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Amazon, wherever you're listening, hit subscribe or follow. I know they're kind of calling it different things depending upon where you are and leave a review. If you would now, if you're driving, don't do that. That's not smart. But please leave a review, five stars if you're feeling yourself. If it's not, you know that's okay. I, I want to know how to make it better. But tell your friends and tell your folks what we're doing here, talking all things ball today. It's going to be Zach Wilson bench from the New York Jets. I got some hot, hot takes to, to to talk about that because this is just prime example of what you do not do in the NFL. Sean Payton head coaching options. Free agency for Aaron Judge. He's in San Fran right now. My thoughts on where he lands. Um, you got Denver Broncos. They're an absolute disaster. St. Louis Cardinals outfielders. A little bit of everything here on the podcast. The Rams, where their future is headed. It's episode 102 of the podcast. So the first place I want to start, New York Jets. Zach Wilson benched after going 5-2. and two. This season, both losses to the Patriots. I know I kind of saw that tidbit from Schefter and it got me thinking like, was this the right move? And then, you know, after thinking about it for a split second, I was like, absolutely the right move. The guy cannot operate. He cannot pass the ball, even though he has a cannon of an arm. Mormon Mahomes is what they told us April 2021. I think it was Peter Schrager, Fox Sports, and he jumps on all the other shows. Smart guy. Good morning football. Of course, can't forget that good guy smart guy but you know it, it, it's folks like him that make you believe that this guy is a legitimate player in the NFL he's not never was it's drumming up interests each April because quarterbacks make the news cycle go and then you have Woody Johnson owner of the Jets And you got Joe Douglas, who feels the pressure from Woody Johnson, Joe Douglas being the general manager of the Jets. So they take this BYU quarterback who's played all of, what, 10 games in the shortened 2020 season because of COVID-19. This was a disaster decision from the get-go. And it's mind-boggling that there are general managers. The guy came out and said he wanted to reset the salary clock. At the quarterback position, he wanted a cheaper option at quarterback. He didn't want to pay money to Sam Darnold. Well, guess what? You could have a another blue chip player from the selection that you chose, Zach Wilson, plus Sam Darnold, and you would still be getting the same crappy quarterback play, maybe even a little bit better. the The Jets are a prime example of why taking a quarterback is the wrong decision. It's all about taking. The quarterback, when you take Joe Burrow, when you take Justin Herbert, when you take Trevor Lawrence, it's all about the guy, not a guy. So when you philosophically believe that it's just about taking shots until you get it right, just keep throwing darts at the board. I'll never agree with that philosophy because that's how you set back your franchise. And I know the Jets, they're five and two, they're viable to make a playoff spot here, but just think about how good they would be if they hadn't selected Zach Wilson. If they had gone out and just ran it back with Sam Darnold or ran it with Flacco or ran it with whatever free agent that was out there, Teddy Two Gloves. You'd be getting the same thing, if not a little bit better, but instead you have the sunk cost as a first round pick and now you got to put him to the bench. You got to put him to the bench. I I do not agree with just taking shots at this position in the first round. And it's for reasons like this. We're, we're not even through year two. The guy is planted on the bench. He's not coming back. If he does, that means things have seriously gone wrong. That means Mike White has had a four-pick game. That means Flacco is brittle and snapped his leg in the first game. God forbid. I don't hope that for uh, Big Throw Joe. But if he comes back in, it, it, it's not a good thing. This has been a, a disaster for the Jets. You took a quarterback who had 10 starts under his belt or, or even uh, barely even a full season at BYU in a COVID year, and you gave him the keys to the car. Yeah, th- th- this is a very bad situation, and it's a prime example why you never just take a shot at the quarterback position in the first round. So it's Dan Graziano and Jeremy Fowler. They have the weekly newsletter that comes out on Wednesday. That's when I'm recording this, Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Happy holidays to everyone. And it's a variety of things, betting, um, matchups that they're looking forward to on Sunday, big games, um, and of course, just emptying their notebooks, as they like to say, because they're reporters. And one thing that they hit on was that Sean Payton, who's doing TV, obviously is going to get back into coaching. He left that door open. This is a reset for him professionally and, and of course, personally. And he's eyeing the Chargers' job and the Cardinals' job. And at first, with that latter one, Arizona, I thought, man, you really want to go coach Kyler Murray and the headache that he is? And I, you know, again, split second, thought, you know, that, that should be pretty good for Kyler Murray. And for Peyton, you know, he's not an authoritative figure. Um, now, he commands respect, and that's where I think when you see the things with Kyler and he's yelling at the head coach and in his contract they have to put in a clause that he has to study, like Sean Peyton, that shit is not going to fly. This guy was groomed by Bill Parcells. The last thing that he's going to do, like Kingsbury – pretty much has to do because he's just grown up in this era and he's he doesn't have the respect of the locker room if you've been watching hard knocks it's pretty evident Peyton will bench Kyler within the fourth game of next year if that's what it takes he doesn't give a damn it's all about winning games and he'll go to Colt McCoy he doesn't care if Kyler's making 46 million the owner's not going to come down and tell Sean Payton what to do whereas with Cliff yeah, he he might be a little more amenable as far as listening to Michael Bidwell. So it, it would be a good scenario for the Bidwells to take a look at Peyton. Now, would Peyton love the situation? I don't know. He would have to get his hands on Murray first. And he was the guy that said when he came out in 2019, I remember it, his tape is too good. His tape is too good. So he does like the player. Now is he going to like the guy? And that is something that you would figure out rather quickly. And if he can fix someone like Kyler, he obviously would do wonders for the Arizona franchise. Now, the other one is Los Angeles Chargers. Clearly just a, a plug-and-play fit. Talented team. You got a pretty hands-off owner. He's a cheap owner, though, in Dean Spano. So you, you, just, you don't see him going uh, rich with a head coach just because he never has. But the guy lives in Malibu. He's right there in your backyard. You could meet up with him today for a 10-minute chat. Behind closed doors, I know that's like tampering maybe, but obviously that shit happens. So, I mean, that that's a situation with the Chargers, with Justin Herbert. You already have Joe Lombardi on staff, the same offensive coordinator that Sean Payton had for years in New Orleans. So, it, it's really something that should happen if Dean Spanos is going to be smart. But, you know, you, you just look traditionally, they don't go rich at head coach, and they do not like firing guys. In which they have to pay money. And Brandon Staley, they'd have to pay him a boatload of cash just to go away. But if there's a time to step in and break your rules, now is the time. And, you know, with Mike McCarthy, that's the one where I think really is the match made in heaven because he got his start with Parcells in Dallas there in the early 2000s. I just think when you look at it from Jerry Jones' perspective, while you would love to have Sean Payton, Mike McCarthy, you look up and for all the shit he's taken, The guy's like 18 and nine, I think it is in his three seasons, as head coach. And when you think it's going to fall off the rails, he keeps the train on the tracks and, you know, Dak goes down he wins. Was it four games, one loss with Cooper Rush? Like the guy's kind of doing a heck of a job here. And Jerry, you're getting older. You're not really looking to turn things over. And Sean Payton, it would be a quick turnaround. But do you really want to mess with that? Like things are going pretty good. And Sean Payton's He's going to be around for a little bit. So if it ever goes off the rails, you can, of course, pivot and, and try and uh, lure Sean Payton to the Cowboys. But uh, I, I would be a little wary just kind of messing up a good thing, especially with where the Cowboys are right now. So I want to talk about Aaron Judge because he's in California for holidays. He's going to see the folks and he's already apparently met with the San Francisco Giants. Pretty common thing I know Brian Cashman has said. He said it on the Jeter documentary that in these situations, much like Bill Belichick, Brian Cashman tells prospective free agents like Aaron Judge, he did it with Jeter. He said, go shop the offer. Go see what else is out there. That way you're totally sure that you do want to negotiate with us. And you know, it's kind of one of those things that at first you're like, oh, why would you do that? Why would you give him a sniff? of what else is out there. But at the same time, if he really does want to be a Yankee and if he really does want to get down to brass tacks and negotiating a contract, seeing what else is out there is going to make you a much smarter and uh, get you a much better deal that you want if you do want to be a Yankee. So he could go to San Francisco, hear what they have to say, and go, you know, I really just didn't like what I hear. Or, you know, what, I, I just wasn't vibing with it. And then he comes back to the Yankees, and they're just – much more streamlined in trying to get the deal done. And without that, maybe it just doesn't happen. So I do understand him meeting with the Giants. I do think there's a legitimate shot that he does not return to New York. Reason being, you hear all these reports coming out after the season about how he was upset with how Yankee fans were booing his teammates. There was like six anonymous players that talked to SNY.com about that. He was not happy that Cashman went public with the last offer back in March, and then of course it's at the All Star Game where uh, ESPN reporter Marley Rivera asked him, you know, to do the, the the message to the little kid, and you know, you can go to YouTube and, and replay it yourself. It, it sure sounded like a send off from Aaron Judge, and this is in July, so. I know that he's kind of walked back a little bit, like before the playoff game, he wore the New Yorker Nobody t-shirt, and I think he does want to be there, but it's pretty clear after this season, historic, maybe the best hitting season that we've ever seen clean, and then the fact that he has been the captain that the Yankees can only dream about, it's pretty clear he's saying, you're going to go to my terms. There's going to be no discount whatsoever. I want to be a Yankee, but you need to show me that you want me to be a Yankee. So he's not going to go the Jeter route. He's not going to go the Jorge Posada, Bernie Williams, Andy Pettit. Like, he is getting top dollar. He's getting historic level offers if he wants to be in New York in 2023. So I'm seeing that Jamar Chase is going to be playing Week 12. Bit of a... Uh, Fast recovery for Jamar Chase. The Bengals, they're they're that team I just I don't trust fully, but they do have a lot of good things going, just kind of like their run to the Super Bowl last year. They got Joe Burrow, but I think it was a historic deal. Him avoiding sacks and creating big plays while also avoiding turnovers. But look, you give credit where credit's due. Zach Taylor, I think we're gonna look back and say, holy smokes, how did he beat Andy Reid? in Kansas city during a playoff game in January. And how did the hell did he go to a super bowl? But he did just that. I think that's another situation. You cannot overlook it though. Outside of Jerry Jones, Mike Brown, the owner general manager of the Bengals, He he's a big meddler. He's got a big say in the organization. I don't know if Sean Payton would want to do it, but Joe Burrow, Sean Payton, that would be a nice little match too. pretty much anybody who has a quarterback could, could deal with, uh, could could match up with Sean Payton. But one thing that I did want to talk about was the fact that the St. Louis Cardinals are really rumored to be in on one of these shortstops. I know Dansby Swanson was the one that was floated around last. I, I don't see that happening, not for big bucks, that is. That guy's a dead red hitter. He hits fastballs, crushes fastballs. Outside of that, I think this is going to be one of those cats that the league figures out next year. And I shouldn't even say that figured out. He's just a hitter that this season he was put in very good counts to where he could sit dead red on fastballs and crush them. And good job for him, but he's not the overall type of hitter like a Trey Turner that you'd be, you know, stacking up. He's not. He's not the same type of cat. So Trey Turner, Carlos Correa. I don't see Correa really jiving with St. Louis. I don't see them really liking him and wanting to sign him they would more so like someone like Turner who kind of has that speed element on the base paths though when it's all said and done I don't know if they're gonna do this I, I I really don't because they are a run suppressing team and they always have been I see them looking at whether it's the trade market or free agents like Justin Verlander uh, DeGrom, I don't think they'll get into that just because of the medicals. But a Verlander, could I see them going for a one-year deal? $40 million bucks to be that horse. And would I love it? Absolutely. I would much rather have that than signing up for Trey Turner because I think this team needs to alleviate from the manager. You got Ali Marmol, who I'm not going to say he's a fantastic manager quite yet. I think he's proven that he's not going to be a disaster but when you have a guy like that, your goal should be to take decisions out of his hands. A starting pitcher does that. When you know you got a horse that can go eight innings, you're shortening the game. The manager can sit back, his arms folded, and not do anything. Eight innings, zero to one run ball. Your offense has to get two or three runs. Boom. W. You do not want your manager who's inexperienced to have to go to the bullpen and do all these platoon matchups with the outfield. No, you want to take things off of his plate. Get a starting pitcher. I I would love it if they got a shortstop. Cannot be mad about it. But I do think that there's a misguided look here at what's really the pressing need. Yeah, you're going to have to get an outfielder. Whether it's Bellinger, whether it's a short-term deal, whether it's a long-term deal, but... The number one thing that would really stretch this team further is a big time number one starting pitcher. One thing definitely wanted to touch on, haven't touched on it much this season, but the Denver Broncos, what a complete dumpster fire that has been. And, you know, I'm not one to really dump on Wilson too much. He has started to rub me the wrong way just with some of the stories and. Ah, uh, with the entourage, and um, you know, obviously he's always been a little bit of a goofy cat, and then you got multiple guys coming out saying that they didn't like him in Seattle. So, you know, I, I give credence when that volume of folks comes out and says this guy's a bit of a poser. And of course, obviously, the media there, there's been some shots taken. Kyle Brand of Good Morning Football has even done that himself. But I think we might be making this a, a little bit more complicated than it really is. The guy just doesn't want to get hit. He wants to be Peyton Manning. He wants to be Drew Brees and Brady and uh Phillip Rivers, the traditional drop back passers, when he's just forgetting what got him to start him. He he he's a guy that you need to unleash on the ground every now and then. And he needs to scramble. And there needs to be a design run or two every game that really keeps the defense on their toes. And Some people think his athleticism has been lost. I don't really see that. Maybe a tick, and sometimes all it takes is a tick, but the the guy's in his early 30s. He's not 36. He's not 37. The guy still has plenty of athleticism. I am still fully on board with the Broncos and Russell Wilson. I, I think it can work, but they don't have a head coach. That, that's pretty evident. This guy's in way over his head, and it was a situation where they wanted to lean offense because they just got the quarterback, or they wanted to lean offense to get the quarterback, and it's blown up in their face. George Payton, uh, great general manager. He's made some great decisions. I, I think he got pressured into making the, the right move from an ownership perspective because they had the sale of the team going on. I, I can understand that pressure, and I can understand pretty much, you know, a to that pressure, but he got it wrong. And Hackett's going to have to go after this year. It's been a complete dumpster fire. It really has. He's he's not making decisions like a head coach. He's making them like a coordinator who's trying to become a head coach. And look, are you ever fully ready for the job? Probably not. But you know, there, there's a much better answer out there when you talk about head coaches. Th- this is where the value of a John Fox who coached in Denver, coincidentally. This is the value of a Jeff Fisher. I know everybody thinks those guys are clowns, except they have like 500 records and they've gone to Super Bowls and championship games. They have value because they can actually keep things together. They can make it a buttoned-up organization. And I'm not saying it's going to be a thriving organization. I'm not going to say you're going to be atop the leaderboard, but these guys have credentials, okay? They've done some winning. And then you look over at Hackett. He can't get his field goal unit on the field. He doesn't know how many timeouts. The team is penalized up there uh, amongst the worst in the league. Just not buttoned up, man. And I'm not saying go out there and get one of those guys I just named, but it's pretty clear that this was a situation with the quarterback, with the sale of the team. Hackett's just not the guy, and I think Wilson, unleash him on the ground, you'll see that the Broncos are going to play much better football moving forward, whether that's this year or in 2023. It was 2019 in December, almost three years ago. Jay Busby, wherever you are, I got a lot of respect for you. And you've covered the NFL. I know you do the Olympics. You blocked me on Twitter because you think I'm one of those uh, radicals and uh, you know screaming from my basement, which I'm recording this in my basement. But um, I, I do have a lot of respect for you, even though you won't let me interact with you on Twitter.com, e business. Um, look, you, you're right now. The Rams are screwed. Now, there was a Super Bowl in between when you said that back in December 2019, but it's all come to fruition. They gave up all their picks. They gave up all their capital. They're strapped about 47% with Donald, Ramsey, Stafford, and Cooper Cup, and Cooper Cup and Stafford are hurt right now. So the Rams, they're going to start Bryce Perkins, I think it is, undrafted quarterback because John Wolford's out right now. Yeah, Sean McVay, when you look at that hard knocks with the Arizona Cardinals after they lost to them late in the game, or actually, no, it was a blowout. I, I know Van Jefferson got a touchdown late, but, you know, the score wasn't a great indicator. Sean McVay looks exhausted, and he has not dealt with this. It's pretty clear he's understanding that this is a, a pretty much blown-up dynamite situation that they might be looking at here, and look, that's what you get. They took a risk with the uh, the team-building model. It worked. So the risk paid off, but now the bill is due. And the Rams, you know, I think it's a situation where you can reboot this team, potentially, if you get the offensive line right. If you don't, then it could be a dynamite situation. Offensive lines, they can get better in a hurry. And right now, they they got a lot lot of young guys and a lot of guys hurt. And if you can get two good starters, like trade Jalen Ramsey for maybe a first, plus a starter on the offensive line, boom, you can be good. Pretty quickly. But, you know, if you don't, then you're looking at a, a longer term thing where you're going to have to rebuild the franchise. So, yeah, Bryce Perkins starting this week, just not the look that you thought when you saw the Rams hoist that trophy last February. I thought they were going to win the division. I know that they've always been a top heavy roster, and the, somehow they've gotten away with it. They have always just been the healthiest team in the league. And, you know, now it's not happening for them. They are injured, and they do not have backups. And we're seeing it now that the Rams, they're going to be on the outside looking in come January. Thank you all, my listeners. Thank you so much for choosing the podcast. I hope you tell your friends. I hope you tell your family. I hope that you continue to enjoy the podcast and the content that we put out almost weekly. Not every week. I know I've uh, kind of been slacking here, but I love talking football. I love talking baseball. I love talking even a little NHL hockey when the blues are hot. And of course, the NBA come playoff time, you kind of know how we do it nowadays. And if there's anything you want changed, I want you to clap back at me in an email, thepodcast at gmail.com. We also got the call line and the text line, 816-226-7483. Let me know what you like, don't like, The podcast is for you guys. I hope you all have a happy Thanksgiving day.